Well, I love the evening service. I am not a morning person, as all of you probably know if you've ever met me. Um, so I am so excited uh, to have an evening service. So all of you morning people, thank you for meeting me just where I am, as I meet you just where you are every other Sunday. So thanks for giving me a little bit of extra love today as we got to sleep in. I appreciate it. Uh, I am really excited to preach. As you guys know, I love doing this. It's one of my favorite things that I get to do is to come and preach um, in front of all of you. I get to do it with the youth, but now I get to share it with you guys. And I get very excited uh, whenever I get to read a passage in Scripture, really study it, and then give it out to everybody. Uh, so what we're going to do, it's a long passage. So usually we would stand, but I'm going to say, just go ahead and sit on down, okay? Let's just relax. It's in the evening. You don't need to stand up. It's fine. So what I'm going to, you're welcome. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Uh, we're going to look at Mark 4, 1 through 20. Uh, at Bethany Church, we use the New Living Translation. So if it's a little bit different than what you have uh, in your hand, that's okay. You just probably have a different translation. No big deal. So uh, let's, uh, let's get into our story. Because it's going to be at least two hours. So get really comfortable, everyone. <laughs> they said there's not another service. I don't know what you guys are waiting for. There we go. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have the deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Later, when Jesus was alone with the twelve disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. He replied, You are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders, so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When I hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? The farmer plants seeds by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represent others who hear God's word, but all too quickly... Oh, lost my place. The message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represent those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a 100 times as much has been planted. There it is. There is the story. I don't know about you guys, but when I first got the story, I was kind of bummed because I have heard the story about a 100 times, and I'm pretty bored by it. And, um, and I was like, oh, man, I gotta teach that one? Like, that's just kind of a boring story. So uh, this is, I'm just giving, this is real life, okay? Even pastors, we look at scripture sometimes and we're like, oh, that's kind of boring, isn't it? And so then I was like, well, I need to reread it because it's been a couple of years since I've read this story. So I started reading this again and then I started getting really upset. 
because uh, something was bothering me in the story. Uh, and it was this question right here. It's, can you hear me now? Have you guys ever seen this commercial? You know, where Verizon's like, can you hear me now? And then, can I go out here without it squeaking? And then, you know, they run over and they sit somewhere else and they're like, can you hear me now? And then they're like, hi guys, hi Barb. You know, and then you're over here and you're like, can you hear me now? You know, you guys, oh, we blocked this off, good to know. Uh, you know, so he, <laughs> it's an obstacle course. Uh, so, should have looked at that ahead of time. But, you know, so we go out and, and we go into different places and he's like, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And depending on where you're at, you can either hear him or you can't because of different services, all right? And so that was the whole thing of this commercial is that Verizon's so awesome that you can hear him wherever you are, right? And so I was like, okay, that's awesome. I love Verizon. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I got to the later part of this passage and this is the part that I was really upset about, okay? I don't know if you guys ever read Bible and you're like, okay, Lord, I disagree. But I did. I completely and totally disagreed with this part. So come with me into my, into my week of study, will you please? And so it says this, when, later when Jesus was alone with the twelve disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders. So that the scriptures may be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Is anybody else upset right now? Because I was. Okay, yes. Thank you for being. Valora is the only one that's honest with me. All right, I was really upset. Like, sometimes I read in scripture and I kind of am like, Jesus, okay, everything in like Gospel of John and all that, I love you, I want you to know who I am, you know, the gospel is the good news going out to all the world, John 3.16, you know, for God to love the world. And so I get to this part and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, Jesus, all of a sudden now you're telling me you love the world, but you don't want everybody to hear about you. Is that what you're saying? That's what it sounds like to me. And I was like, I know that this isn't what you're saying, but it sure does, it sounds like that, right? And so I was thinking, I was like, Jesus, this is, we have conversations. And I was like, Jesus, what if somebody reads this that has no idea what you're talking about? They're going to read this and think that you don't want them to know what's going on. That's what, that's what's going to happen, right? And, and so I'm, you know, I'm having this discourse with Jesus, like, this is a horrible way to talk, to start the story, Lord. Like, this is, this is horrible. You start your parables with saying, I don't want you to know about what I need you to know about. Like, and so I, oh man, Jesus and I were having a little bit of time together. And so I was like, all right, Jesus, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put this aside for a minute. I'm going to put this in my little box and put it over here because it's Tuesday and I need to finish this message. And, and I'm going to keep going and I want you to show me what you really mean about this, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm upset. So I just put it aside, and I was like, Jesus, I'm going to put this here, and I'm going to come back to it. So that's what I did. Tuesday, I was like, I'm just going to set it aside for a minute. And so then I started to go back, well, what is the purpose of parables? And so I was like, okay, Jesus, what did you tell me in this passage that the purpose of parables is? And the purpose of parables is that there is a truth hidden in plain sight. Right? So Jesus used all these stories that people know, like farming. I mean, this is kind of a farming community, right? And so he's using all of these stories that people can connect with and understand so that, you know, if Jesus is talking about farming, all the farmers are there like, oh, yes, of course, yes, good soil, bad soil, yes, correct. And so they're getting something out of the story, but they just think it's a good story. Where what Jesus is really doing is he's using something that they could understand to give them information about who he is and the kingdom of God. But he's kind of like hiding it in there. So that's why he uses parables. It's very different than something like Sermon on the Mount, 
where it's like, you know, this is right, this is wrong, you do this, you do that. Very straightforward. Parables are not like that. They use a story that somebody, if they just heard it on the outside, would be like, oh, what a great little story. You know, like a little bedtime story. That you, you know, you sit with Jesus and, oh, I love it. You know, but uh, but it's not that. It's, it's, it's a story about the kingdom of God. And so I was like, okay, Jesus. I was like, I, I get that that's what you're saying, but I'm still upset. And it doesn't explain to me why you would do this. And so I started to go back into the story. And I started reading it slower. And I started with this first part. And it said, you know, like, listen, listen. And I was like, really, I felt like Jesus was saying, listen, listen to me. And I was like, I got you. I hear you. So I stopped. And, I, and the very first part of this was talking about the sower. And usually I, I kind of glaze through the beginning part because the sower, you know, you just kind of assume he's there. But the thing that I miss every time was that he's there. The very beginning of the story always started with God in here. It always starts with God. That, that even at the very beginning, like you go back to like Genesis 1, you know, what is, what is the beginning of creation to start with? You know, in the beginning was God, you know, it was him. And then he created people and he breathed life into them, which I would have loved to have seen that. And then he designed us to be in relationship with him. So even from the very beginning, God created us to be in relationship with him. And this is why it's so important. I want you to hear this. If you forget everything else I say, which I hope that you don't, I don't know why you're not taking notes right now, is that <laughs> there's pencils in the back, is, is that God initiates all spiritual positively towards him. We are incapable in and of ourselves to get God to do something. Okay? So we hear this a lot. This is, this drives me absolutely nuts. Is, is that we think, okay, well, if I do this, and I have this posture, and I worship this way, and I do Bible study like this, and I do it this many times, I show up on a Sunday, then God will do this, this, and this. And the problem with that is that we are imperfect. We are, we're not that great. You know, like I'm, I, I love myself. It's not like a low self-esteem here, okay? But I recognize that there is nothing that I could do that would get God to do something. I cannot manipulate God. Everything that is good, that is spiritual comes from God. God always, always makes the first move. There are so many people that I've heard that says that God does not speak to me. I've never heard God speak. I was like, any time that you have ever had a conversation or a question about God and wanted to know him more, you have already heard God and you are already responding. You've already heard him. I was like, good job. You did it. And and so many people, and that's not patronizing, but people don't recognize it. They think that, well, I have to do this, then God will do this. And the reality is, he's already been doing all the stuff while you haven't been paying attention. So when you're finally ready, and you, you know, have a question, or you want to know him, or you pray because something's going hard, you're already responding to God. He already started it, and now you've responded, which means that you've already heard God. And so many people don't recognize it for that, and it makes me so sad. I almost took off my shoes because I was at youth, but I, I usually teach barefoot. Um, that's some information for you. But it's, it's holy ground, everyone. Um, keep them on. But that's the thing is that we, we don't recognize how much God is speaking to us. So sometimes we, we don't recognize that, that it is God that has already initiated all of these things. And every time we respond, even in a small way, even if it's like, I don't really like you, you're already responding to God. He's already starting it. So I want us to get out of our heads of thinking that we are the one that's initiating it. So what does the first move look like? And staying with this Verizon call thing that I've been doing, it looks like Jesus calling, literally. 
Think about every seed that is cast in, in, into the uh, different soils. Every single one of those is a call to every single person that was in that crowd. Every single person has an open line to Jesus that he is ready to answer. And he's waiting for you to pick it up and respond. So again, you're not calling him. He's already called you. You might, poor guy's probably been waiting your whole life for some of you. Like he's just like, anytime, I'm here. Ring, ring. And he's, he's not going to hang up. It is always there. And so sometimes we, we need to get that into our heads. You are not the one making the call. Jesus already made the call. And it's up to you to pick up and respond. Think about that for a little bit. And then I get this a lot. So, well, what about this, you know, uh, call failed? You know, like, I don't know if you guys have ever done this. I used to live in the mountains. Some of you guys still do. Oh my gosh, this is, this is nutso. You know, like you're, you're walking and all of a sudden you like take a step and it's like drop call. You know, and you're like, whoop, you know, whoop, you know, trying to find that one bar. I was at camp one time, there's like a wall. So I like stepped onto the wall and I was like on speakerphone. And I was like, I can hear you. And then you move and it's like dropped call. And so many people, this is what they think. They think it's a dropped call or a missed call. Call failed. Jesus didn't get to me. He didn't call me. I didn't pick up. I didn't care. That's it. That's it's over. It's done. And we and we get just in our heads about I can't hear God. And again, remember the first part that often happens is that we don't recognize that we hear we heard God. We don't recognize that we're already responding. So take the pressure off of yourself. Good gosh, like so many people are like, I'm not religious enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not. You are perfect. Just as you are, and he wants you so bad, and he's already calling you, so all you have to do is pick up and respond. But there are other reasons that you get failed calls. It's not just we're not recognizing, recognizing God. There's other things that are going on in the world that we don't, we don't often talk about and we don't often recognize. So let's start in the story. So all of this seed gets, gets thrown out and there's different kinds of soil that's out there. One of the types of soil that is out there is a footpath. And the footpath is really dense so that when they throw the seeds out, the footpath is just holding the seeds on top. So as soon as the seed gets dropped, all of a sudden these birds go down and pick it up. So as soon as the, the, um, the seed hits the ground, all of these birds are coming to pick it up. In 4.15 it says this, Those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. Now this, I know, all the, I see some people are like, oh, she's going to talk about Satan. I am. I am going to talk about Satan, and I'll tell you why. Because we don't. Because we don't. And it becomes something that we're afraid of and that we're scared of. You know, like, oh, she said Satan. You know, like, Satan is not someone to be afraid of. Satan and the demons, um, which are on the earth for a limited amount of time and a limited capacity that God has given them, are engaged in the world, and we have different choices. One, we can be afraid and completely ignore it, and then what happens? All these seeds that God is planting in this is going to be taken. If we ignore it and we just let them do whatever they're going to do, there are things that God wants to do in people's lives and it's going to be taken before they even recognize what God is doing. So if you're afraid and you're like, I just don't want to deal with it, recognize that if we do that, then we are basically saying, you know what, you do whatever you want to do and I'm just going to stand over here. You just do what you need to do. Now the problem with that is that Satan... Uh, has come here for two big purposes, or three really. He's come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to steal the things from your life that God is doing. He wants to kill all of the things that is happening in the kingdom of God, and he wants to destroy everything that God is doing. 
That's, that's his purpose here, is he wants to take away everything that God is doing in the world. And it's hard because I think that we have a hard time with, like, um, Satan and demons because we, we want to talk about, like, angels and God because that's like, oh, angels are here to protect me and, and God loves me and absolutely. But there's another side of that. There is things that are here to harm you as well. And so we have to recognize that, that there is things in this world that are coming against you, that are trying to keep you from knowing God and the things that God is doing. That's happening, and that's real. And we have to recognize that Satan is our enemy and not people. I think that too often times we put people in that enemy category, you know, people of other faiths, people uh, that believe different things than we do, people in the LGBTQ community, people of other ethnicities, people of other socioeconomic classes, whatever the them and they are for you, we oftentimes put them in the enemy category, and scripture is very clear that they are not the enemy. It's Satan. And this is what it says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood uh, enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly realms. That's the truth. Whether you're uncomfortable with it or not, that's the truth. And it's in scripture, it's in, it's in the Bible a lot of places. And so we can choose again to ignore it or to deal with it. Now let's say we choose to deal with it. Let's look at the hope that God has given us in dealing with these things. What we know is that Jesus came and he conquered evil and he destroyed the works of the devil. It says that in Romans. And it says this in John, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. What did Jesus do? He healed people, uh, he loved people, he, you know, he cast out demons, like, he walked on water, super cool, you know, like, he did all these, <laughs> come on, that would be so cool, you know, and, and he did all these really amazing things and Jesus says, I give you my authority to do that. So why are we so afraid of a couple of birds? Why are we so afraid of the evil that is in the unseen world? Jesus says, I have given you my authority, so let's just use it. And it's super easy. It's not weird, okay? Some people make it weird. We're not going to make it weird, okay? Let's not make it weird. Because I told you, many of my sermons, don't be the weird people, all right? That is our goal. We are not going to be the weird Christians, okay? We will not be the weird Christians, all right? And so this is as simple as this. Using the authority in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In this room right now, in this congregation, God, I bind up anything that is not of your kingdom, Lord. Anything that is here that has come to steal, kill, or destroy, God, I bind you in Jesus' name, and I send you to the feet of Jesus to be judged. We're just sending it to Jesus. God, would you deal with this? You know what to do. And now we've gotten rid of all the birds, and we've dealt with those things. And it's not just about getting rid of evil. I mean, that's kind of like the, oh, yeah, we got to do that. But the good part is, don't forget to pray the second part. Now what do you want God to do? God, would you bring your kingdom here? God, would you cast seeds into this congregation? Would people here that are listening to me right now, preaching out of the word, I pray that each and every one of you, that God would speak to you about something today. God, I pray that in Jesus' name. That's it. It's not that weird. It's not that hard. I mean, some of you might be like, Janice, you didn't close your eyes. So, in Jesus' name, like, if that's you, you need to bow your head, put your hands together. If that's what's keeping you, you can do it with your eyes closed and, you know, whatever. But using authority in Jesus' name is not scary. But it is necessary. So it's something that we need to recognize, that we do not want to give the birds, we do not want to give evil any more space than, than, than they need to have. All right? So we just use authority in Jesus' name. Super simple, not weird, changes lives. Changes lives. All right, let's look at the next one. So seeds fell on the shallow soil uh, with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. It didn't have deep roots. It died. 
They hear the word immediately, receive it with joy, have no root, endure for a while. When tribulation or persecution arrives on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Guys, did you know Fresno was in the Bible? Right there. <sighs> Goes down, hard pan, 110. <laughs> we made it. Yay. Um, so these are all those people that, that, that hear this, and it's really exciting. This is almost like the, the happy Christian culture. You know what I'm talking about? Like the fake people? Oh, it gets, I love it. You know, where they're just like, everything that they do within Christianity is about making them feel good, and it's about a happy thing, and we have community, and we do potlucks, and there's baked goods, and like, it's just a great, great thing. Like, there's some great things about church that aren't necessarily Jesus-driven, but Jesus loves as well. You know what I mean? Like, but, but the people that are in this thing that are very shallow are about all of that cultural stuff, all of the feel-good Christianity. And as soon as it, it costs them something, as soon as it's about sacrifice and really giving your life over to Jesus, then they're out. Because they're like, wait, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't the happy Jesus life that I wanted. And I was like, you bet it's not. That's not what we're here for. We're here to serve Jesus and what he wants to do. It's not about being these happy, happy-go-lucky Christians. So we have to begin uh, to let go of that. Are you one of those people that when it gets hard, you push away from Jesus? When it, when it actually costs you something, are you now pushing back and saying, oh, I don't know about this faith thing? Because what Jesus really wants us to do is to go through things that are hard, things that cost us for his word, and watch what he's going to do. Because he does incredible miracles. And then there's the next soil. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain. The message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. No fruit is produced. Now here's the thing. This is not, a lot of people will read this and be like, don't get rich. And I am like, get rich and tithe. Like, you just feel free to earn as much money as you want and generously give to Bethany Church. You know, whatever you... You don't know. Just give to whoever is need. I don't care if it's Bethany or whatever. Just give. Um, I mean, I mean, give to Bethany Church is what I'm going to say. Give to Jesus is what I'm going to say. Give wherever you want that Jesus tells you to give. And however much. But this is about the lure of wealth. So this also hits those of us that are super poor. I mean, there was a time in my life where it wasn't about how much money was in my bank account, but it was like, okay, let's see, I've got an eighth of a tank of gas. I've got a blue Gatorade. I've got groceries till Wednesday. And clothes are clean till Tuesday. You know, like, it's just like you go into resources. And so I was at this place where I was like, to me, wealth was a full tank of gas. To me, like, if I could fill, you guys don't know, this was, this was a big moment for me in my life. When, when I, when I pulled up to a gas station, there was one time, I, I will never forget this. I pulled up in, uh, I think it was in my, my Saturn at the time, I like pulled up. And usually I'd put in like $8 or whatever change I had, you know, you throw it in and it's like, you know, a tenth of a tank, you know, and you start pushing your car because you can't afford it. Uh, and so then, and then I put it in and I realized for the very first time on my own as an adult, I could fill up my gas tank. I don't know about you guys, but that was praise the Lord. Like I was like, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Joel. You know, it's, it's, it's a big moment, you know, and, and for me, this was wealth. Like I can't believe that I've actually attained a full tank of gas. Like I was so excited, you know, and then, you know, you get to this place where now you, you feel like this is normal. I can fill my gas tank up. That's awesome. And then you have new sites that set forward the Kia Forte. Someday, I know you guys are like, the Corvette? No, the Kia Forte. I was like, one day, 
One day I will own a car where all the windows work and all of the locks work and the gears shift and, you know, like the, the oil doesn't leak out. I will. I will own a car like that. And so a few years ago, I was so excited and I purchased a Kia Forte. And it was like within a year of it being made. I was so excited. Like I was like, this is amazing. You know, it had, you know, had less than, you know, a hundred thousand miles. And I was like, you know, under 10. I was like, I've never, I couldn't have even expected this. And then, you know, you think, oh, I've attained it. I've gotten there. And then the problem with these things, as you keep trying to build to better things, is sometimes it doesn't always go as planned. I remember there was one time I was, I was driving, I'd, I'd gotten my car, and a few months after it was Christmas time, I drove to my parents' house for Christmas. The kids already know this story. I drove to my house for Christmas. I had Christmas. I loaded all the stuff in my car. I was like, Mom, Dad, look at my car, Kia Forte. You know, like I was very excited. And, you know, because you want to show it off. And I was driving back to Fresno. And, uh, and so it was still Christmas, you know, people were, you know, driving around, you're in a great mood, like, Merry Christmas, you know, you're, you're so happy, I love Christmas. And, uh, there was this truck ahead of me, and it had a Christmas tree in the back of the truck. And, you know, and I was like, oh, that's so cute, you know, and I'm like, behind, and, you know, we're all going like 72, there's a couple cops in here, allegedly, 72, 5, and, and I was in this lane, and, and to the left of me, there was the wall and some cars, and to the right of me, uh, there was more cars, and it was just a ton of people coming home from after Christmas. So I was driving, driving, going 72, and all of a sudden, I look ahead, and the tree from the truck in front of me falls onto the road in front of my Kia Forte. Oh. And my Kia became an off-road, on-road vehicle. And then I watched my bumper just fall off and I was like and to this day you can now see the uh the tragic effects of the Kia Forte Christmas accident so be careful on the roads people be careful on the roads but this is to say that we we don't want to get to the place where wealth and other things or the next thing becomes where our priorities are because gosh I mean, I was so excited about this Kia Forte, and then how quickly did it just fall, you know? And I still love it. I love duct taping, and I think it's so funny. I'll probably put, like, a Christmas hat on it. I don't know. Uh, but we have to let go. We have to let go of the next thing. That It's not just being wealthy. It's the lure of wealth, of needing the next thing, of wanting the next thing. That's what we have to be careful of, of, of saying that all of these things are more important than what you have for me, Jesus. That's the big difference. And it's not just in the positive, it's also the worries of this time. So for some of you guys, it might be difficult things that keep you from Jesus. Uh, I asked permission on this. So uh, my best friend was diagnosed with lupus about three years ago. If you don't know what lupus is, it's an autoimmune disease. So your body is essentially attacking your body, okay? And so different random things happen. So there's, you know, joint pain, nerve pain, uh, issues with movement, different things like that. And on her own... This is never going to be healed. Like Jesus, I believe that Jesus may actually heal her someday. I would not be surprised at all if he did. But as in the natural course, she's probably not going to get healed um, physically by a doctor. It's probably not going to happen. And so we have to make the decision as a family, because it's, it's my friend's family, uh, if you hadn't figured that out, that's my friend's family, um, is that we have to make a decision every day, is this going to be something that takes us away from our relationship with God, or is this going to be something that draws us into our relationship with God? 
In the midst of really difficult and hard, hard times, the hard times can do the same thing as the good times, which is we begin to look at these things and come into ourselves and say, Jesus, I don't have time for you right now. I need to stay in my bubble. I need to, to look at this and just deal with this right now. And sometimes even the hard things, not that we shouldn't go through those things. We need to grieve. We need to be sad about things. We need to process things. But we should do it with Jesus and not away from him. So we need to be careful that, that the good things in our life don't take us from Jesus and the hard things in our life don't take us from Jesus. Because they both have the real potential to do it. Now let's get to the really good part. So we have all these hard things that, that are, you know, we've got uh, the birds or Satan coming in, stealing what God is doing. Uh, we have, you know, the superficial people that don't want to, you know, deal with the hard things that come with their faith. Uh, we have the people that are really, you know, getting so distracted by the good things that are happening in life. And then we have the people that are struggling with the hard things. And finally we get to the good soil, Right? Now we get to the really good stuff, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Now here is the happy part of the story is that there is good soil that we can look at. It says this, they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. So the good stuff, and this is, I want you to hear this. The good stuff wasn't like, okay, I put one seed in the good soil and that one made 60 more or 30, 60, 90 more. No, it made up for all the other stuff that didn't take it all. So it's it's always worth planting because no matter what, that good stuff is going to make up for all the hard stuff. All the stuff that didn't take. All the people that didn't care. Like, it's worth it. And I think sometimes we're so sparing in what we do. Like, I'm just going to spread Jesus here. And, you know, or the type A's are like putting them in rows, you know. Like, got to clear it up. You know, the type B's were just like, yes, yes. You know, and so we need to be really generous with what we're doing. Don't be stingy with Jesus. It's useless. He wants people to know him. Remember, he's got open calls to everybody. And guess what? He's using you in those things. And so we need to join him in that. And so we need to be a part of that harvest because at the beginning I said God was the sower, right? Now it comes back. Now we have been the plant that grew. Now we become the sower. And now we're casting out. There's a circle that happens. Every disciple that I have that Jesus has given me, I hope that every youth and young adult that's over there will grow up and start casting their own seeds. I can't wait. And some of them already are. And I'm like, good job, you know? Like, like the parents didn't have anything to do with it. I'm like, yes, good job, kids. Uh, you know, but it, it is the community. But they're going out and they're doing it. I'm like, this is awesome. And what, what, what kind of takes the good soil from the bad is those who actually can hear and accept God's word. There are so many people that hear about Jesus that don't care, that can't accept it. You know what I mean? Like it's, I could talk, Jesus loves you, you're loved, you're worthy, you're wanted, and they can hear it a hundred times and it's useless because they don't care. But it is those who hear it and accept, yes, God, I believe that. I believe what you're telling me is true. And then it produced a harvest because they were ready to do it. Now we get back to my original thoughts. Remember I told you I put this thing over here? So I finish all of this teaching and I told God, okay, this is good, yeah. I understand all of this, but I still came back to my original problem. And it says, when I see what I do, they will learn nothing. You guys remember this? Remember this problem that I put aside? When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. And so I came back to this and I was like, all right, Lord, I've spent four and a half days 
reading every commentary I could find. I googled. I called my friend Andy Rock. I've talked to a lot of people. And now I'm back to my original problem. So you're going to have to tell me what you want to tell me about this. And he was like, okay. I was like, thanks. And this was the answer I got. Jesus. Jesus sees you exactly as you are. And not everybody is ready. When Jesus is saying, I don't want them to hear now, it wasn't because he didn't want them to hear ever. He knew that his audience was not ready. If you go back into Isaiah where it's quoting from, the audience that Isaiah was talking to wasn't ready either. So if Jesus had done a Sermon on the Mount thing where he's up there and he's like teaching like Jesus teaches, you know, I just see him in his robes, you know, doing this a lot and like gliding, you know, uh, so I see Jesus teaching, but, um, is that he, he looked out and he saw everyone and he already saw where they were at. And I was thinking, oh, there's the footpath kids, you know, <laughs> like there's the, there's the thorny kids. Oh yeah, you're going to, you're going to find joy, but then it's going to go away just so you know, you know, or, oh yeah, you're going to, you know, you're the wealthy kids. You're going to have some troubles later, you know, like he's looking out and saying, you're not ready. It wasn't that he didn't want them to know. He's just saying that if I told you now, it wouldn't stick with you. It wouldn't stay. And I was like, Jesus, I love that. Is that you're looking, I mean, not that he can't see everything, but he's looking ahead and saying, you're not ready yet. I could tell you a hundred times and you wouldn't be ready. And that's something I think that we as Christians, we need to hear this. Not everybody is ready all the time. Okay? Do you guys hear this? Don't be the weirdies. All right? Don't go to the corners. All right? Don't be the ones that say, oh, I don't want to talk about it. Oh, you do. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, don't do that. That's weird. Be ready for when people are ready. Ask Jesus who he wants you to talk to, but don't force it. Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't force everybody to, to, to be ready for everything all the time. You know, I think that we expect people to be in the place that we want them to be in, and they're not there, and that's okay. If someone's mad at God because they've been through some issues in their life, that's okay. That is perfectly fine. Maybe someone has a lot of questions before they're ready to hear anything about God's love. Totally fine. We need to expect them to be where they are, not where we want them to be, just like Jesus did. He could see that you were not ready. And that it wasn't about them not knowing. It's about him looking out and knowing their hearts and saying, you're not ready for this yet. And that's okay. And then I looked at 410 and it says this. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parable meant. Now, we know that other people traveled with Jesus. You know, there was some women in there, and I know. Um, uh, There's some women that traveled with Jesus. There was the disciples. There's other people. And I, I have a feeling that there were some people from the crowd that had stayed, because it said later. So the people that really wanted to know what Jesus wanted to say stayed, I think. I'm interpreting a little bit, but I think it's true. And they wanted to know, what is this about? That was the good soil people. Those people were ready. And so even though Jesus is saying, I'm saying it in parables so that it would be separated, he knew that there were people that were ready and that they would come. And the people that weren't would continue to go. And that for me, finally, and I I can't even tell you, I was so angry at Jesus for most of the week and being like, what are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? And when he finally showed me, he was like, it's not that I didn't want them to know. It's that they weren't ready yet. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to learn that on Tuesday, Lord. Um, so you know. 
because we look at this and in the next, I don't want to go too much into the next part because Brian's going to be teaching on it. But in verse 22, it says this, for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. God doesn't keep things secret because he doesn't want people to know it. He wants them to know it at the right time. You know what I'm saying? So if you have people in your life that aren't ready, just love them. Love them like no one has loved them before. All right? If you know how to bake, you bake. If you know how to cook, you cook. If you know how to order out, you order out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You love those people. Love, 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 love them so that they could see who Jesus is first and then they want to know. Can you guys do that? <laughs> Some of you are like, I have five people are loving people. Good. Great. But seriously, you guys are, I love this church because some of you are just great lovers of people. I learned more at Tuesday Bible study last week than I have in a, in a lot of things. And this group just, yeah, Marilyn, you know, Marilyn's the leader of that group, is that they just love people. I show up with no book. I lost it already. And I am, welcome, I'm teaching you today. And they just love me. And, and we need more of that. So this is the goal. When Jesus says, can you hear me now? The end goal is to say, yes, Jesus, we can hear you now. Allow people to go through their process. Allow people to get to the place where Jesus is speaking to them. And love them while they're, while they're all the other soils and every kind of messy that there is. Love them through it. And then you just watch. You'll find out when, when it's right. And then you say, God, is, is it now? And he'll be like, yep, now's the time to go. And then you still love them. Don't stop loving them. Like when they're like, I accept Jesus. Don't like cast them away. But keep doing it. Keep bringing the food. Um, but just love them. And then share when God is ready. But wait for his timing. Don't force it. Does that make sense? Yeah? Cool. I'm hearing the... Behind me, so... So let's go ahead and pray. And then we're going to head into... If worship band, you guys can come on up. Um... And we're just going to pray. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to use, like I said, the authority that Jesus has given us, that, that God would speak to you right now. And then we're going to worship. And worship is an awesome time to respond because it's prayer and praise. You can speak to God in really intimate ways during worship. And you can say things about God that maybe you don't have words for, but you, you say something up there and you're like, yes, God, that's what I think. Then, then let your heart be open to that. And if there are people in your life where you feel like, oh, God, God, those seeds are getting stolen from them. I don't want that. Pray for them. Pray for them right now because we all have people in our lives that, that need that, um, much as Evan needs his stand back as well. Thank you, bud. Yeah, I'll take all that. Jesus, I love you a ton. God, and I love this church. I love this church, God. And, and this church has so much love in it for people. So, God, I just pray right now, God, if there is anything in this room, God, that is keeping us from hearing what you have just said, yeah, I, again, I just, I just pray in Jesus' name that that would be quiet, God, that would be bound and go to your feet to be judged. God, I pray that right now as we worship and as we're praying, God, that you would speak to each and every single individual is here. God, that you are casting seed to every single person that is in here, God, that you have something to say to them right now. And God, I pray that they would hear it clearly, God, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And God, we just pray that as we worship, God, that you would just get joy out of what we're singing and we're singing. God, we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.